Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Drum Network podcast. I'm senior reporter for the Drum, Chris Sutcliffe. This week, we're looking at Indieverse Network and whether that conversation has moved on over the past five years, and more importantly, whether we'll be back here in five years' time to discuss it all over again. So we're going to be looking at everything from what it means to have a relationship with platforms as an indie versus as a network, what it means for younger employees and how we attract and retain young talent, and more importantly, what the definition even is anymore of an indie versus a network agency. So to discuss all that and more, I'm joined by Rick Lamb, Heather Conan, and Chris Roberts, who I'm going to ask to introduce themselves now. So to begin with then, and before we kick off our discussion, I wondered, Rick, if you could give us a quick introduction to yourself and your agency, please. Yeah, of course. Happy to. Um, my name's Rick Lamb. I'm the Managing Director for the UK at Jellyfish. Jellyfish are positioning ourselves as a new kind of marketing performance company for a platform world. Um, I've been with Jellyfish for two and a half years or so. I joined via the acquisition of Latitude who were very much an independent, smaller independent agency. Prior to that, I spent the first 10 years of my career with within Publicis at Zenith and a short as well with iProspects. I've got hopefully a good breadth of experience for this conversation. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say, yeah, we're going to have to tap into your expertise across all kind of the entire, I suppose, work history in order to really get this conversation rolling. And Heather, same question. Thanks. Where you are, what you do. Yeah, sure. I'm Heather. I'm an executive director at Space and Time, and we're an independent growth marketing agency. We're just over 130 staff across five regional offices, and our focus is very much about creating long-term partnerships with clients, and to do that through a highly skilled team that can create commercial alignment with our clients. And they do that, hopefully, through their business empathy. So it's about our team having an awareness for the objectives and challenges that our clients may face. My role within the agency is very much about ensuring that the team have got everything they need to deliver that. So whether it's training, realigning processes and strategy, or changing our client engagement model. Very nice. Perfect. And last but not least, Chris, fantastic name, by the way, uh, who you are and what you do. That's Chris. So I'm Chris Roberts. <laughs> I'm the Managing Director of Clickthrough Marketing, a conversion-centric digital marketing agency based out of Litchfield in the Midlands. Um, I've been working here for just over two years. I spent six years working at iProspect, where I had the pleasure of working with Rick. Um, I did a, a two-year stint client-side at Phones for You, and then prior to that worked for what was originally an independent agency, the search works that got bought by Trade Doubler. So I've got good experience of, uh, of, of both sides of the coin here. Nice. Fantastic. Well, then, to begin with, then, because you know, we can dig into the definition slightly later on, but when we talk about this kind of independent versus network, well, I don't want to use the term rivalry, even though it's written down there, but this kind of this, this dichotomy of mentality that I wondered if we could begin by maybe getting you to explain where you think you fit in kind of that that spectrum of independent through to network there. So Heather, why don't you start? Where do you, where do you think you kind of fit within that? Um, well, I think we're an independent agency and we've got capabilities across media, technology, performance, creative and training. And I think what's interesting is that brands are wanting to access more of the customer journey, but they're also wanting to consolidate the number of agencies that they use. So as an independent, we're actually very well placed to deliver a solution for that 
I think you can see also see the networks moving to bring their capabilities back together. And we've already got that in place. So we've got sort of the best of both worlds. It's one of the larger independents. It means we can invest in tech, research, training, like a network would, but we've still got more of the agility and, and the culture and mindset of an independent. So, I mean, you touched on so much there that we could dig into this idea that size doesn't necessarily reflect what it means to be kind of independent versus network. And also the idea that you can have a, a kind of an independent mentality even within the network. But before then, Chris, what do you think of yourself? How do you sort of fit into that, given your kind of your history, I suppose, of working across the industry? Where do you think you currently fit into that kind of independent versus network, I suppose, relationship? Yeah, absolutely. We're definitely at the, the far end of the independent yeah. end of the scale, I'd say. Um, so we're still, you know, we're still privately owned. We're still um, owner run. So Phil, our CEO, set the business up 18 years ago. He's, he's still heavily involved. We're completely technology agnostic, um, media partner agnostic. So yeah, very firmly on the on the independent end of the scale, I'd say. Amazing. And thanks for flagging up some more criteria that we can potentially tick off when we talk about what uh, what that means. And finally, Rick, then, you know, what from from what you've heard from our previous two guests, you know, is it size? Is it ownership structure? Is it being kind of platform agency partner agnostic that makes something independent? And where do you think you fit in? Uh, it's a very good question, because I would say to many, many people, Jellyfish might be the, the dictionary definition of independence. Mm. Then it depends on what we're saying we're independent from. And also, I think potentially more importantly, that that doesn't preclude us from having many of the properties of a so-called network agency. Mm. So we we do have a lot in that kind of that kind of model. So our heritage is sort of steeped in performance and paid media, but we've evolved. So we're embracing creative and experience, brand planning. Um, so we set up to kind of bridge all of the kind of big marketing divides. So all of the components of the modern marketing mix sits together under one roof and network agencies might have all of those components but uh, the way that we've been able to structure because we've come from that kind of independent background means that um, structurally and culturally we've created that as, as an advantage and that even though we might be sort of small in comparison even though we've got two and a half thousand people and publicists have got 79,000 <laughs> yeah. article, we feel like we're because of that legacy we're, we're punching above our weight nice fantastic well then we've we sort of all shared our definitions then of what we think makes us kind of independent versus network and some of the relative strengths and weaknesses there but one of the things that i know that people at the drum when we're putting these questions together we're, we're very keen to get to grips with is does it does that old binary of network versus independent still make sense anymore we've spoken about it purely definitionally but how about in terms of how you actually interact with kind of the rest of the ecosystem there i don't know who wants to take that as a as a first question yeah, Rick, go for it. I think there's a distinction to be made, certainly like between where I've worked at Zenith and, and Dentsu and where I now work in Jellyfish, but I'm not sure that IndyV network is necessarily the distinction to make. Mm. So as an independent company, we're free to be inventive and try new things. And Rob Pierre, our CEO, you'll have seen him across like the trade press and even like national, international press talking about our non-hierarchical structure and how we're trying to remove bias from promotion pro within a network even the large agencies in my experience lack the autonomy to to sort of determine their own fate because mm. there are so many other pressures within within the network and that brings mm. uh, we'll come on to talk about it that brings benefits in terms of scale and pricing and uh, security but it creates barriers in in other senses 
Absolutely, and uh, Chris, you were nodding along there, so presumably that's something that you kind of share a uh, kind of experience of. Yeah, absolutely, and, and Rick, I, Rick and I have obviously um, experienced the same environment and something that it took me a little while to get used to, to be honest, from coming out of that environment was the autonomy. Mm. Um, you couldn't, I'll be honest, you couldn't really do much in that role sign off and quite often the last two layers were people who you never even seen face to face or knew the names of. Um Whereas here, it's a good idea. You can you can just crack on with it. Really, mm. um, it's it's not like we're gung ho, but we're far less structured in terms of um, a sign off process. So we can be more agile. We can we can jump on things more quickly. We can make things happen quicker. I'd say. It's it's always so interesting whenever we, we hear kind of people talk about the autonomy. It's always in such glowing terms. It's like you know we've experienced the fact that you have to get signed off through eight levels beforehand, and now we can do basically what we want. And it's it's like the, the, the promised land almost. Yeah, it's kind of a bit scary to start off with, <laughs> you're thinking, "Hang on, there's, there's there's no one to stop me here." But um, yeah, it's for, for me, I find it far more rewarding. And then, Heather, when we talk about this kind of network versus indie dichotomy, then what do you think is driving the there still to be that division there? And do you think it's helpful to talk about it in that way anymore, or are there is it more nuanced than than it once was? I think it's it's probably more nuanced, and there's probably more alignment in in some things between independence and networks. I think from a client perspective, it's really irrelevant, the ownership structure of an agency. It's about whether that agency model is going to align with your objectives and deliver the value for for your marketing budget. And I I don't think it should necessarily be a huge factor in the decision-making, but I do think that there are traits inherent and say that um, an independent agency is more likely to have cohesive culture and that agility to make decisions like the guys were saying so do you think then like, that, oh, that, that, that when you know you're you're going out to to pitch or when you're actually kind of in that pitch process that it's the, the potential partners are looking for that kind of that ability to iterate quickly to ideate quickly which is something that independence still kind of control they still have that as a benefit over potentially those bigger networks i think i think you know within space and time size independent agency but all of our executive board still works on client business so we've still got exposure to the day-to-day visibly available to the clients so if they want us to change our strategy or our process they're, they're in front of the decision maker mm. and I don't think that that's something that a network can replicate See, that's interesting. And it's interesting that it's coming down to perception of what kind of um, agencies can do individually. So I wondered if, if Rick or Chris, um, I don't know which of you wants to take this, but what do you think are the perceived strengths still of kind of network, network agencies rather than indies? Um, I think, I think Rick, touched, Rick touched on one of them, and that's obviously the, the partnerships that they have with mm. you know, the likes of Google and Facebook and dare we say, almost preferential treatment in terms of access to alphas and betas and what have you, but then also the, the commercial clout they've got um, in terms of negotiating better rates for, for technology, um, uh, yeah, maybe more more access to more platforms, perhaps. Um, and then I think there's probably the other one that the network agencies would talk about is the, you know, the collaboration between the different elements of the network agency and the, the digital agency, for example. Mm. And yeah, Rick, is, there, is that 
is that something that kind of those in the networks will be able to replicate just in terms of, you know, in networks, those in the agencies will be able to replicate even in terms of how they are perceived? Well, it's interesting, right, because the scale and the kind of perception in terms of price competitiveness that gives, that gives for, particularly for legacy channels, is difficult to compete with. But I think as much as that's an advantage in some ways, I think what we saw last year was that even if even if you've got what appeared to be really solid pillars, there's elements, if, if they get knocked down one way or another, the roof's still going to come in. And I think that um, that that legacy means that they're less able to be like commercially fleet of foot around mm. around new things. And what's interesting from, from what Chris was saying about the, the partnerships with the, with the big platforms is that we we talk about them as platforms and we think of them as platforms, but they've probably been treated more. If you think about how Martin Sorrell used to talk about Google when he was at Group M, was he would talk about them very much like an, another media owner. And I think mm. if you the way that that like coming at it from that approach, the relationship you have with a media owner is very different from the relationship you have with a platform. And I think by potentially not necessarily embracing Facebook, Google, Amazon in the way that independents have been have been able to because they're much more like, actually agnostic uh, they've potentially not kept up with what what cmos actually want which i think it was a drum survey talked about is they want people who can really help them understand those platforms not who are sort of keeping them at, at arm's length see that's really interesting as well and thank you for for flagging up the drum survey that that's definitely going to make it into the final edit thank you long time reader <laughs> <laughs> And so, Heather, how does that how does that kind of relationship between the platforms how does that sort of shook out for you in the past space and time? How has that relationship developed, and is it used as a selling point when you are talking to partners potentially? Yeah, we we definitely use our you know our partnership status with Google and Facebook as um, as a selling point. But I think, as we've mentioned previously, it's very much as an independent agency. Our culture is about being agnostic and about the recommendations being what delivers best value for the client and um, and because of that strategy within our planners it means that that our, our value that we deliver to the clients is stronger mm. and that you know we still have very good relationships with the platforms and with our with our partners at the platforms but our, our, our recommendations within the planning process are completely agnostic um, so obviously we, we write a lot about the drum about kind of changes that are coming down to agency models, whether that's, you know, people going in house, whether that's people kind of adjusting how they work with other indie networks, <laughs> networks, I keep saying it with other indie agencies as well. So what have been some of the kind of the biggest changes that you think have come down the pipe over the last couple of years in terms of how we think about kind of an indie versus network relationship? Is it this idea that in-housing is seen as an inevitability for some um, agencies or is this idea that you can still be in India and you can almost have a culture of being indie at the heart of it? Is that something that we've seen emerge over the past couple of years? And sort of what do you think are kind of the biggest changes in how we think about indie versus network then? It's a big question. So <laughs> who wants to leave them and take that one? I think, I think the big changes for the future, regardless of whether it's an independent or a network agency, is going to come down to the client engagement model. Mm. 
um, you know, we recently realigned our strategy and we've introduced this idea at Space and Time of full experience. And at the heart of that idea is having a client partner lead that can plan capabilities. Also, it can be some of the capabilities might be managed and some might be consultancy and some might be in-house. And the future of the industry is very much going to come down to agencies being able to flex their model to the needs of, of, of the clients. And it won't be just a one size approach yeah totally agree with your point heather i think there's there's always going to be space for both i think it's it's got less black and white over the years hasn't it there's been more kind of shades of gray of of models in the middle but i think there's always going to be room for both there's always going to be people that are better suited to working with a smaller independent i think around the service offering is probably one of the key themes in the future i think where the networks might find that challenging will be they're quite siloed and they've got P&Ls for different capabilities, for different countries, for different agencies. Whereas we've been able to, by design, to build without those barriers because we see that there are advantages in terms of the recommendations we can make to clients and what, and what we can do for them. I think the in-housing piece I've seen forced over the last, just coming up to two years, um, so decentralization of work means that if you're if you're a client based in I don't know Peterborough or Bournemouth, then you might have found it difficult to to attain for for certain specialisms. I mm. think that's the decentralization of work is going to knock down some of those barriers. So we might see that that trend continue to push forward. And I think agencies um, and providers like ourselves are sort of creating that flexibility to be hybrid or full extension of what the client needs us to be because there's no point us now the more transparent we can be the more of that extension we can be so i think the companies that will succeed will be able to kind of intelligently wrap a a bespoke integrated set of services around the client's needs whether that's in-house whether that's Mm because they don't know what they don't know so you're kind of trying to kind of increase their digital maturity every time you speak to any client in any sort of pitch about um supporting them there are always questions about and how do your team keep up to date with all the latest developments in in the industry and you know we we've got a, a huge training offering sort of for, for that reason we train the platform providers on their own platforms but we also massively support um in-house teams and and, and feel that empowering them to be able to do things themselves doesn't necessarily disintermediate us in the long term, which take which is quite a a jump in terms of mentality. Mm. But um, but we're all going to need to get there eventually. I think. I think we talk. I talked about independent and network not being black and white. I think agency and in house is mm. getting far less black and white now as well. The, the, you know the clients we work with that actually have big in-house teams and actually now do some operational work. It just depends on ultimately because you could write a list of pros and cons for for both models as long as your arm and you could you could pitch either, couldn't you? So there's always going to be people that want to work with agencies. There's always going to be people that want to have an in-house team. And then there'll be that area in between where it's a little bit of both. Um, I think the other thing in terms of trend, longer-term trends is uh, networks and indies present alternative employments. Uh, conditions and cultural uh, sort of fits for for individuals, and I think what we're seeing, um, driven partly because we're we're pre-global, so you know 
people in the in the US, like the young young people that work for us in the US, are very uh, put a lot of pressure on in terms of um, like cult- culturally making sure that we're we're uh, authentic um, and that we're driving certain certain agendas. And I think that it's important for talents to feel that they work increase increasingly. So you know we're introducing things like employee resource groups yeah people have, people have got more options than ever before haven't they whether that's whether they want to go in-house work for a big network agency or a small independent so you've got to adapt and you've got to make sure you're offering people what they want because those that don't uh, are going to struggle to attract people i think there's going to be a big shift in what's required of those sort of specialist and strategist roles as well and it, it's in really important that the agencies have got the training in place to deliver those opportunities for people to progress within those roles and ultimately it's win-win because if you've got um you've got more opportunity and more diversity within the roles that's a, a better for the team and the staff but it's also better for the client because they've got a, a, a highly skilled team working on their account mm. Yeah, what what people do has always evolved, hasn't it? And on our own podcast, which I'll quickly plug, um, someone asked me the question last on the last episode: Do you think we won't need PPC managers in the future? Because we were talking about automation, and of course, we'll always need PPC managers. But what they actually do is going to is just going to change in the way that what I did as a PPC manager, almost certain none of our PPC specialists are doing right now, and it's going to keep changing in the future, isn't it? As yeah, different working models come in, different. Um, different levels of automation, different platforms. So, yeah, totally agree with your point, Heather. It's just it's going to keep evolving and adapting. One thing that you've all touched on to some degree, actually, that I wanted to dig into then as we sort of come towards the end of the podcast recording is this idea that the perception might come from people who are practitioners within the industry rather than people who are looking for results. So when young people are trying to enter the industry, do you think they see a difference between kind of the benefits of an indie versus a networked agency? And how do we go about, I suppose catering to people's wants and desires if we are not kind of that particular fit. You know, do young people fit better within indies is, I suppose, the question. I Obviously, I can't speak on behalf of uh, every young job seeker, but people that I've worked with, I don't think fully appreciate the difference. And when, you know, when we're recruiting, if people have worked in a network, I will be very, very clear that this is a, you know, this is a very different type of organisation because mm. you get exposed to a lot more, which is great for people's development because there's not like a pro team that pick which platform to use and a legal team that do this. And, you know, we have to take on a lot more. That's either really exciting or really daunting to people. But I imagine the average job seeker about to enter the market doesn't really think about what it's going to be like day to day difference for them so it's why particularly like i say if people have worked in a network agency only i'll be really super clear on this is very different and we've you know we've had some people that have dropped out after having that conversation and that's probably for the best because it's better that we we tell them up front rather than they find out two months in um yeah i i imagine the average job seeker probably Mm. isn't particularly clear See, that's interesting and and heather i know that we've actually had people from space and time on to talk about kind of their how it encourages young people and kind of the culture within space and time to be kind of a good fit for young people. Is that something that you think is necessarily down to the structure of it being, you know, of it being what it is, or is that just because of, you know, the working culture within it rather than the structure? I think, I think 
it stands for a raft of things, but culture is right at the top of that list and having a really warm, engaging, um, nice place to work, fun place to work is really, really important. But I think I'm probably inclined to agree with Chris that a a young job job seeker doesn't really know the difference or, or can't really appreciate the difference. We've had people join us from network agencies and then they never leave because they love it. And then we've had younger people leave us to go to networks and come back because they then appreciate the diversity of the role mm. and the ownership that they get over working within an independent agency on on the work that they're doing. But I think it, you know, it 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 all comes down to culture, onboarding, training very important in terms of bringing young people into the agency and creating that loyalty that they, that they want to stay. That's fascinating as well. Oh, Rick, do you have anything to add to that? Sorry. I think, um, yes. Uh, I think there's a, there's a ton of different conflicting um, sort of pressures on, on young people as, as 40 year old man um, and young people as they, as they come into the, the, the working world and I think that some of it comes down to, to network really but some of it comes down to other things I think you know when you, you kind of want to work on instinctively it's not necessarily always it's what it's all always what it's cracked up to be you instinctively want to work on massive clients that you've heard of and mm. you know Things that you, you, your parents will, you know, you can take home and show your parents, which you can never take a paid search ad at home to show your parents. Trust me. <laughs> um, and um, but at the same time, like it's incredibly expensive to go and live and work in central London to try and start a career at the, you know, at the, the levels at which our industry, and to be fair, loads of other industries, start an, an entry level. I and mean, we've just taken on a load of, uh, we've just run through an latest edition of the Jellyfish Academy, which is the first time in a little while where we've taken on eight people up in Manchester and taken them through um, a quite intensive course to get to get them up to speed. Um, and... I think it'd be like it'd be interesting for me personally to sit down with them now they're through that and see what their motivations were, whether they had conversations with other other agencies of different types. I think that's one of the types of things that suffered over the last two years because bringing people in, getting them up to speed of the working world, let alone the culture of your agency remotely, is probably one of the bigger challenges that um, that's that mm. been encountered. And I think that's one of the things that keeps people keeps people stuck in one place that keep them stuck <laughs> keeps people rooted in one place and makes them really feel an identification with the company and I think that's um, that like you know I'd started as a grad at, at Zenith and was there for nine years it's, it happens in, in networks absolutely um, there are certain the, the flexibility that independents have to be able to um, to listen and make changes based on what they're is happening on the shop floor is probably greater than um, than within the within the networks. Although I was impressed that have us a, a sort of B Corp certified or, or get getting there as a as a group, which is, I think is is the sort of thing you would probably normally associate with the with a smaller, more fleet of foot operation. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, and actually, that's that speaks to this kind of my penultimate question then, which is. 
you've all touched upon it again, and it's one of those things that I think is really interesting. Should we expect to see more malleability in terms of agency structure then? So we won't necessarily have as clear a delineation between agency versus network. You know, you've all sort of touched upon that slightly, but should we expect more flexibility? Should we expect more malleability across the entire industry, not just in terms of the indies? Yeah, massively. I think you look at the the structure of different agencies that have that have grown through the last 18 months. So aside from, from Jellyfish, you've also got S4, um, you know, buying things up and then and then merging them into into a different shape. You've got um MSQ, Stagwell, all, all of these who are building sort of network scale but in but in different in different shapes. Um and at the same time, I don't doubt that the, the networks have, you know, have made changes over the last few years as well in terms of consolidation of RAM and capabilities into into different shapes. So I think I think it has it has to progress, um, because I think someone said earlier on, like clients don't want to have to go to five different people. I think it's inevitable that we keep seeing change, particularly digital, because it's it's an ever changing beast, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And then just as one final question, then, because I want to keep as much of this in as I possibly can. Um, do you expect, and be as cynical or as optimistic or as realistic as you want here, do you expect that we'll be here in five years' time still asking the question, you know, indie versus network? Is that something that's going to stick around within our industry for the foreseeable future? As we've talked about earlier today, I think there's something inherent in the offering of an independent agency that that a network can't name. If it's not the network versus indie, it'll be one thing versus another thing. So. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I think like Rick says, it'll always be something versus something. And I, I wouldn't think, have a job otherwise. <laughs> exactly. And I think there'll still there'll still be independence, there'll still be networks, but what the something versus something is, maybe it would be people with deep specialisms versus more generalist agencies. Um, who knows? But yeah, we'll, we'll always be comparing, won't we? <laughs> nice. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to come on and have this chat with us. I know that the audience is really going to appreciate that. Um, as one final question, then we always ask our guests, where can anybody who's listening who wants to bend your ear or get in contact with you, where can they find you? We've had everything from you know, LinkedIn pages to company websites to email addresses. So Rick, where's the best place for people to come and bend your ear if they want to get hold of you? That's a good question. Uh, I'm probably... I'm, I'm trying to be better on LinkedIn, so I'm, I'm Rick Lamb on, on LinkedIn, so look me up on there, or I'm Ricky Boy Lamb on Twitter if you want to hear random thoughts about Norwich City amongst <laughs> us. <laughs> I'm Heather. Oh, email me, heather at spaceandtime.co.uk. Perfect. And finally, Chris? Yeah, let, let's stick to LinkedIn. I definitely won't be sharing any of my other social media <laughs> That's channels. Very, very yeah. brave of you there, Rick. Yeah, we'll we don't, yeah, don't want to get you doxxed. But yeah, for now, thank you so much for having that conversation. I know the audience is really going to appreciate that. So one more time, thank you to Rick, Heather and Chris for coming on. And thank you to all the listeners for sticking around. Please do come back in two weeks time for another episode of the Drum Network podcast. Mm -hmm.